Hello, Dork Squad. I'm Jonathan Cormer, and you're listening to Dork Tales Storytime, the podcast for kids and their pop culture-loving grown-ups. It's a beautiful day for a story, adventure and glory, new friends and old ones too. It's an excellent day to get swept away in a tale, so let us regale you. Hey, Reg, what do you think this one means? Shh, hush, Jonathan. Oh, sorry. What do you think it means, though? Hmm, I'm not sure. But does it have to have a specific meaning? Just take it in. Let it wash over you like a cool breeze on a warm summer's day. Uh, I suppose you're right. Oh, but what about this one? (sighs) Is this what you're like every time you visit an art gallery? What can I say? I'm just a curious person. I want to know all of the backstories. Hm, touche, my friend. I'd say that's the most admirable quality. Oh, wow! Have you seen this one? Ah, yes, The Den, by the famous Honey Bee Bearton. How did you know that? Well, it says it here on this little card next to the sculpture. The Den, leaf paper, sticky honey glue, and chicken wire. Those are the materials Ms. Bearton used. And then it says here, an examination of hibernation and the brilliance of bears. Aha! A story behind the work. Yes, quite exciting to get some insight. (sighs) I just love art museums. You know how much I love storytelling, and this is just a hot spot for it. Messages about the works, glimpses into the lives of the artists themselves. (sighs) It's the greatest. Well then. I'm glad I brought you here to take in new art at the famous MoMA. <laughs> oh, Reg. I mean, this place is wonderful and all, but it certainly isn't the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. Who said anything about New York City? This is the MoMA, Jonathan. The Museum of Mammal Made Art. Oh, right, right. <laughs> that makes more sense, I suppose. What a great exhibition! I like coming here to get inspired and then put my own creations out into the world. Do you make art, Reg? I've never seen it. Oh, I say, never seen it? Do I make art? (laughs) Here's a better question, Jonathan. When am I not making art? I make art with the words I speak, my effervescent presence... The delicious food I prepare. The way I gracefully scurry in the woods. Right, right. Uh, But I was actually talking about the sculptures. You know, paintings, that sort of thing. Oh, uh, no. I leave that to the professionals. Me too, Reg, me too. Oh, and speaking of professional artists, I feel a smooth transition coming on. I can't imagine a better place to share a story about one of my favorite artists. Another hidden hero of history? That's right. Ruth Asawa. And what medium or artistic form did Ms. Asawa work in? 
Ruth Asawa was one of California's most renowned sculptors. Ah, a favorite craft of mine. The making of three-dimensional objects. That's right, Mr. Reg. Sculptors make objects that have depth, can usually stand on their own, and sometimes they even look just like the subjects they're trying to portray. Oh, and they can be quite successful. I had a bird friend, Matilda Thistletoe, who made such an accurate sculpture of a pigeon mid-flight that she sent me running right into a hollowed-out log. Oh, wow! Little did I know that the log was another one of her sculptures. Yes, well, sculptors can use a lot of different materials for their work, like clay, wax, stone, fabric, glass, wood, plaster, and random found objects. What materials did Ms. Asawa use? Ms. Asawa worked in many different mediums, but one of her most popular materials was wire. It's said that she felt her wire sculptures were like three-dimensional drawings, changing with the viewer's perspective. Mwah! Beautiful! Well, now I must hear her story from the beginning. You got it, Mr. Reg. Here, uh, come sit on this bench with me, and we'll tell her tale amidst the art of the non-New York City MoMA. Righto! Ruth Asawa was born in 1926 in California. Her parents had immigrated to the United States from Japan. Immigration. Uh, is that like when my bird friend, Matilda Thistletoe, flies south for the winter? Oh, no. You're thinking of migration, Reg. Immigration is when individuals move from the country in which they were born to establish lives in a new country. Oh, yes, of course. Mizusawa had a passion for art from early on. As a child, she was encouraged by her third-grade teacher to create her own artwork. She even received first prize in a school arts competition in 1939 for a piece she made about what makes someone American. Marvelous! Agreed, Reg. Now, we need to talk about something that is, well the opposite of marvelous. What happened? Have you ever learned about World War II or Japanese internment camps? Hmm, I can't say that I have. Japanese-American internment happened during World War II. The United States government forced over 100,000 Japanese-Americans from their homes to live in internment camps. These were places where individuals' rights were restricted, and they were not allowed to leave. But why would they ever do that, Jonathan? It's, uh, it's very complicated, Reg. But here is a bit of the history. On December 7, 1941, the government of Japan declared war on the United States by attacking a place called Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. Many Americans and the American government unfairly and unjustly blamed all Japanese and Japanese-American individuals for that attack. Unfair and unjust is right. Absolutely, Reg. Their fear and prejudice spread through various aspects of daily life. Prejudice. 
That's when a person unfairly dislikes and discriminates against another person or a group of people based on, uh, I don't know, it seems like it's based on things that shouldn't determine a person's character. That's right, Mr. Reg. Often, race is one of those things, as it is in our story. People held such prejudice against Japanese and Japanese-American individuals that they spread lies on radio programs and refused to serve people at various businesses. There were even false rumors that Japanese-Americans knew about the Pearl Harbor attacks ahead of time and that they may help another attack happen. This prejudice is what led to the internment of thousands of people, including Ruth Asawa and her family. Oh, no. Ms. Asawa's family was put into an internment camp in 1942. She lived with most of her family, but did not see her father for almost two years. Ms. Asawa spent 18 months in the internment camps, where she attended and graduated from high school. She also continued to learn about drawing and painting from other artists who were living alongside her, including animators from Walt Disney Studios. Well, I'm glad she had the chance to continue learning, but I do wish she didn't have to learn in those circumstances. Again, I have to agree. All of this even impacted her attempts to continue her education and train to become an art teacher. An organization called the Japanese American Student Relocation Council gave Mizusawa a scholarship to attend college. In 1943, she was issued an identification card by the War Relocation Authority that permitted her to leave the internment camp and travel to Milwaukee. There, she attended Milwaukee State Teachers College. But because of the ongoing war and prejudice against Japanese Americans, she was prevented from getting her degree. <sighs> I say, we must never accept these types of circumstances again and have to treat everyone fairly and with respect. There are ongoing efforts to ensure just that, my friend. So tell me, was she ever able to finish her degree, become a teacher? She went on to accomplish so much, including a large body of incredible works of art. Hmm, carry on then. Well, Mizusawa did find another school in North Carolina called Black Mountain College where she began a deeper exploration of art-making. She took courses across a variety of different forms, studying drawing, photography, composing, choreography, and sculpting with very prominent artists. Her time there was extremely formative and also freeing. I just love this interdisciplinary study. Ooh, great word, Reg. That, of course, means that you can combine your love for many areas of study into one educational path. I am a firm believer in interdisciplinary study. I enjoy learning about all of the forest arts to help inform my work. Forest arts? Oh, you know, foraging, digging, climbing, hiding, and knitting. Knitting? Maybe that one is specific to me. Well, anyways, Ms. Asawa also took a trip to Mexico during this time, where she learned about basket weaving techniques. This informed some of her most iconic wire sculptures. 
So she had a successful career as an artist then? Oh, Reg, that's an understatement. Um, so she had a very successful career? Extremely successful, Mr. Reg. Extremely? Yes. Ms. Asawa left behind a large body of work. Her collections reside in very famous museums to this day. Think the Guggenheim and the Whitney Museum of American Art in New York. The Guggenheim? The Whitney? I say. Some of her wire sculptures are on permanent display in San Francisco's De Young Museum in Golden Gate Park. And she designed several fountains throughout the San Francisco Bay Area. Fountains? You heard that right, Reg. Later in her career, Ms. Asawa was commissioned to make many public works, including multiple fountains. She also designed a Japanese-American internment memorial in San Jose, California. Public works are so important. They bring culture to our cities and help us to never forget our past. Two of her most famous sculptures are in San Francisco. The first is called Andreas Fountain, and it's located in the ever-so-popular Ghirardelli Square. The second is one of my favorites. Do go on. Near Union Square in San Francisco, she created a fountain with the help of 200 schoolchildren. Is that so? Yes. She had them mold hundreds of images of the city of San Francisco using something called baker's clay, which was a cheap, easy-to-make, and extra-safe material. The children's shapes were then cast in iron to make the fountain. Astounding! This talk about her working with children makes me wonder. What about her wish to become an art teacher? I'm so glad you asked, Reg. Ms. Asawa turned her interest in teaching into becoming a dedicated advocate for arts education. She believed teaching the arts in school was a vital part of empowering young people. She also felt hands-on learning was an invaluable experience and championed arts education throughout her entire career. She was a voice for all the aspiring artists, and a good thing, too. Studying the arts as a young lad truly changed my life. Mine too, Reg. Mine too. Ms. Asawa was certainly a voice for arts education. Her first major project was building a program called the Alvarado School Arts Workshop. It began with no money and only household materials for art making, like milk cartons, egg cartons, and scraps of yarn. The program eventually grew to be in over 50 public schools in San Francisco, with teaching musicians, gardeners, parents, and all sorts of professional visual artists involved. Hmm, I say, this sounds like my cup of tea. Throughout her life, Ms. Asawa spoke to politicians and organizations about supporting arts programs in San Francisco. And she was instrumental to the creation of a public arts high school that was eventually named the Ruth Asawa San Francisco School of the Arts. Well, color me inspired. <laughs> Good one, Reg. What? Oh, color me inspired. Like making art. <laughs> uh, but also, I truly am inspired. Absolutely. She's an exceptional hero of history.
And it's been another exceptional story, my good... Oh, uh, Jonathan? What's up, Reg? Why, uh... Why is that distinguished-looking beaver over there giving us the stink eye? Oh, I don't know, Reg. Hmm, that's so strange. I... Oh. Oh! Uh, my friend! Yes? I don't think this is a bench for sitting. What do you mean? Well... Oh, I just found this small card. The Bridge Over Troubled Water... Branches, Stone and Clay, by Jean Riverton. Yipes! Oh, we're sitting on a piece of art. Uh, my sincerest apologies, uh, Ms. Riverton. Let's run along, Jonathan. I think I saw a Northern Lights show going on in the adjacent room. Ooh! Like one of those 3D immersive experiences. I love those. Yes, yes, come on, let's go on. Keep going faster, faster, faster. Oh, maybe next time we can go and see about the uh, sculptures of, uh, of of how icebergs are created. Yes, yes, fine, we'll do all that, we'll do all that. Let's just go really quickly. Can we just get closer? Oh, I understand. Me. Hidden Heroes of History is a John in Character production. This story was written by Molly Murphy and performed by Jonathan Cormer. Sound recording and production by Jermaine Hamilton at Hamilton Sound Studios. Reach out to us on Instagram or email us at dorktalestorytime at gmail.com. Find links in the show notes or go to dorktalestorytime.com. Now, go be the hero of your own story. And we'll see you next, Once Upon a Time.